Welcome to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone, where America's top cleaning expert shows you the ins and outs of keeping a clean home and a clean business. From expert advice to cutting-edge interviews, Debbie uses her 30 years experience to bring you the insight you need to be cleaning up. And now, here's your host, Debbie Sardone. Welcome to episode 12 of Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. I'm your host, Debbie Sardone, and each week we talk about cleaning up in business and in life with special entrepreneur guests, inspiring stories, and practical advice. Want more? Visit us on iTunes and hear previous episodes. And while you're there, please be a pal and give us a review. Want to join the conversation? Like us on Facebook at Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone. And we have an exciting show today, and my expert guest is in studio with us right now. And we're talking about turning lemons into millions. So today's guest, Pam Goodwin, is the founder of Goodwin Commercial, based in Dallas, a boutique commercial real estate and consulting firm specializing in developing retail and restaurant pad sites. Pam is the author of two books, One Cent Lemonade to Million Dollar Deals and Winning Ways in Commercial Real Estate, 18 Successful Women Unveil the Tips of the Trade in the Real Estate World. Pam, thank you so much for being with us in the studio today. Thank you, Debbie. I am so glad to be here. Well, I'm really happy to have you. I just love strong, powerful, successful women. And it's really fun to do these interviews and pick your brain about your entrepreneurial starts. And I noticed that you have an incredible endorsement in your book from real estate mogul Barbara Corcoran, who's also one of my favorite celebrity businesswomen of all time. You got to tell me a little bit about that endorsement. That's incredible. I, I'm happy to. It was an awesome opportunity. And how I had the great opportunity was simply by going on her website and asking if I could meet with her. And she does have a private consultation, and you have to go through a little bit of vetting, and wanted to meet with her regarding talking more about my business. And I had the great opportunity to fly up to her New York City penthouse office and meet with her one-on-one for two hours. That's incredible. So you were able to share your vision, your heart, and your business skills with Barbara Corcoran. I mean, what what an opportunity. I know. It, it was great. For, for two hours, nonstop learning about, you know, business and how to increase, you know, sales and information just right from her. And, you know, we did have a little bit of fun. She ordered a bottle of wine for us and lunch, but it was all business. And one thing I did learn from her was she takes immediate action. And so she set me up with one of her shark tank regarding real estate to help him find a new location. And she wasted no time. We got on the phone with them and, and started working on that. Another thing she told me is, I love that what she told me is self-confidence is money in the bank. And I love that quote from her. You know, that is so true. And she really does exude self-confidence as a woman. And, you know, I've met her in person, too. And she's she's very tiny and um, she's got confidence that's as big as an NFL football player. I mean, she just exudes confidence, but there isn't any arrogance there. You know, when I first met her And I saw her at a conference and all these people were kind of scrambling around her to get their picture taken with the big celebrity. You never know what that person is going to be like because the cameras aren't rolling. And you don't know if they're going to be kind of abrasive or a little standoffish. And I noticed she was so incredibly warm and friendly. And there I am right Mm -hmm. there at the front of this throng of people trying to get their picture with her. And I never thought that she would acknowledge me. So I was totally unprepared. And I was starstruck. And I was stumbling for my words. And I felt like a complete idiot. And she finally just said, Do you want your picture with me? And I was like, Yes, that's exactly what I want. And she was so friendly and gracious. She could have made me feel like an even bigger fool than I was feeling. But instead, she, uh, she made me feel comfortable. So you're a lucky lady. Yeah, she's, she's very, very approachable. 
and she loves helping entrepreneurs. So everybody's, you know, a big fan of her from on Shark Tank yeah. and just, you know, listening to her tips. Well, that's an incredible endorsement for your book. And I say congratulations to you because I know it's a lot of work to write a book. But more importantly, writing a book means you've taken, you know, 20, 30 years of experience and you've had to boil it down to somewhere around 180 or 200 pages. And uh, I, I congratulate you on the success of your book. That's really exciting. So I do have to ask you, because this is one of those questions that I ask the cleaning business owners that I do business consulting with around the country. And oftentimes I'll, I'll ask them in one of our conversations. Uh, so tell me, when is the very best time to plant a tree? And invariably, the person will say something like, well, today, of course. And then usually I'll just kind of laugh and I'll say, well, actually, the very best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. But the second best time to plant a tree is today. So I think of that question when people ask me, should I buy a building or should I continue renting? And I'm one of those business owners that couldn't answer that question. So I found myself 30 years later in business, I've been a renter for 30 years and I don't own my building. And I feel like I've missed that window of opportunity. What do you say to the business owner who either is thinking about buying a building or is wondering if it's too late and if they should continue renting? Great question. I, I, it's never too late to be an owner of your own building. And if you figure all of the money in the last 30 years that you've paid in rent and additional charges, you could probably realistically own that building today. And for example, we're helping a lady today. She's been renting for 15 years paying $10,000 a month, we are now, she had no idea, never considered an owner-occupied building. And there's some great financing for owner-occupied buildings. So we found the land for her, we found the builder, and she's going to close next month, have her own 4,000 square foot production company, owner-occupied, and then she'll, which you have to um, occupy 51%. She'll be leasing out the remaining part. And you, so that means you get to pick your own tenant, your own neighbor, which is an advantage. And with everything, it'll be 7000 a month. Oh and she'll own the building. Wow. So she's building equity. She's building something that she can sell someday when she wants to retire or if she ever sells her business that has an incredible amount of value. Yes, and she, she never considered it. And there's some, like I mentioned, there's some great financing for, you know, through the SBA and 504 loans. You know, I would check with your bank, but the financing and the interest rates, some of them are under 2% that yeah. some of these banks are giving. So I always encourage any small business owner to consider owning your own building. And there's some buildings out there that are, you know, under a couple hundred thousand that, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars that, you know, 10% to come up with 20,000, you know, you could do a And you own it. And you own it. And yeah. then, you know, it, it's just such a great, and then you get to sell it whenever you want. And by that time, you'll have equity in it. And, and the value increases. And like you said, you always get to pick your tenants if you're going to lease out the space, or if you have one of those businesses that you plan to double or triple over the next few years, you'll just take over the entire building when you're ready. Right. So I, I even encourage that, that a lot of people don't realize if you're currently leasing, you know, always have in your lease to include, you know, an item that you have the first right of refusal, because if he or she sells that building, you have the first right to buy it. Oh, that's phenomenal. And so you that's should great advice. Mm -hmm. So always add that into your lease. Yeah, because a building could be sold that you've been renting that space for in 10 years and you've built your audience, your customer base right around that location. And then you have no control over whether or not you have to move if they sell that building out from under you. Right, because most of the people that own the buildings will eventually sell it. And, and you want to have the first right to be able to buy it. In so. fact, that's exactly what happened to me. I was renting a space I was comfortable in. I was happy with the monthly rent and uh, a change in that family 
occurred that there was a death in the family and the spouse decided i don't want to be a landlord and she sold the building within a few months and there we were all of us tenants left with scrambling to find a new place to rent so that's a great point that you should write into your your lease if you are going to rent the option to buy that building if it ever comes up for sale yes definitely and and if if you already have a signed lease too you can also just create an amendment to your lease right now and add that in right now. So even if you have an existing lease, it's not too late to add that as an amendment. Fantastic advice. Makes me want to run out and get your book. So in your book, One Cent Lemonade to Million Dollar Deals, how did this, as you called yourself in your book, this average student go from selling lemonade to million dollar real estate deals? How did that all happen? I know I, I never like to be average, but I guess, you know, having a stigma in school since you're graded with a report card, you know, thank goodness I don't get anybody asking me what my grades were today yeah. for my clients. But that's know, the beauty of being an entrepreneur. <laughs> that's right. But, you know, just having the, the chance to finally write a book and I really talk about the 25 jobs and 25 lessons I've learned and anywhere from, like I said, selling as a four-year-old one-cent lemonade and just all of the, you know, I've learned something from each job, you know, that I've ever had. So tell me a couple of those lessons before we run out of time. And when we do run out of time, we'll hold you over for the next segment. But can you share one of those lessons that's in that book that you've learned the hard way? Uh, you know, one of my favorites, my father owned a chicken poultry business in Omaha, Nebraska. And during Easter time, we sold baby chicks. And the lesson learned is, you know, when we bought the yellow chicks, they were only one penny. They were a penny each. But just by coloring them, you know, pink, green, blue, we were able to charge 50 cents. So I learned that as a great business tip. That's brilliant. You know, how to be unique and how to be different in your own business just by doing something like that, not, you know, standing out from the crowd. And then you're able to charge double, triple, or even quadruple. Right. That is a fantastic business principle that translates to real profits because that's what property owners do is when they flip a house, they take something that was just an absolute dirty dog of a house and they slap some paint and some pretty countertops on it and they charge double or triple. So our guest today is Pam Goodwin of Goodwin Commercial. And after the break, she'll share more insights and some advice on being a successful entrepreneur in a very male-dominated industry of the commercial real estate business. So don't go away. We'll be right back. I was up before the dawn. More of Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone is next on the Real News Communications Network. Who says green can't be clean? Here's a tip that many professional home cleaning services already know. You can power through the grime in less time with our 100% naturally safe speed cleaning products. Don't waste your time with the products that don't work. Our non-toxic cleaners are safer on pets and people, yet tough on dirt. If you want to clean your home in half the time, visit speedcleaning.com and sign up for our speed cleaning tip of the week. You're tuned in to the Real News Communications Network, streaming 24 hours a day at realnewscn.com. You're listening to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. We're talking today about cleaning up in business, and I'm your host, Debbie Sardone with the Real News Communications Network. Be sure and follow us on iTunes so you never miss a single episode. And make sure you like us on Facebook and tell us what you think about today's show. I have a wonderful guest in the studio with me today, Pam Goodwin of Goodwin Commercial in Dallas, Texas. She's the author of two books. One is One Cent Lemonade to Million Dollar Deals, And that book's been endorsed by Barbara Corcoran, real estate mogul and Shark Tank celebrity investor. And, you know, I was thinking, Pam, just a a little while ago about my own industry and how the industry of maid service, I own Buckets and Bows Maid Service and we service Flower Mound, Highland Village area. And I thought, you know, it really is a female dominated industry. So I probably can't admit to any uh, extra tough times that I've experienced as a business owner offering a maid service because typically 
my customers are women. I mean, not all of them, but typically it's the woman who calls and inquires about pricing. Oftentimes it is the woman who sets up the in-home estimate. Generally, it's women who work for us who are actually doing the cleaning, although we have employed some amazing men and boy, do they clean good. But for the most part, my industry is actually female dominated, but it doesn't seem like that's the case in your industry. And I understand that more women will tend to go into the residential field of real estate and more men will compete on the commercial side. So what's it like being a female in such a male-dominated industry? It's great, but I, I want to say I thank goodness in, you know, I was always a competitive athlete. And in the eighth grade, I tried out for the boys' baseball team, and I made it with two of my <laughs> girlfriends. For you. And wow, I can still see that ball flying at 100 miles an hour. And so it's, it's a very competitive male world, and, and it, it's just such a great, you know, being a female, you completely stand out. I have a and, feeling you thrive <laughs> on the competition right there. Right. <laughs> e- even, even in today's meeting, surprisingly, I'll go into a meeting and still be the only female. But thank goodness, a lot more female are, you know, finding out that commercial real estate is an excellent field for women, and primarily because you're on your own time and it's great if you have a family we have two boys and so you know i'm able to take off time and pick them up and take them to school but commercial real estate you know surprisingly it is all males because women you know are the ones who really shop and know the retailers and but it's just a it's a great industry for women to be part of and what a great way for you to stand out because i am a firm believer that when you own your own business you've got to find your niche or you have to find a way that you aren't unique otherwise you blend in with everybody else's navy blue and black suits and there you are with your your beautiful bright blue you know suit and your sparkly necklace and I have a feeling you definitely stand out when you walk in a room and they're like oh who is this are you here to bring us coffee (laughs) so what are some of the challenges that you have faced as a woman owning your own real estate commercial real estate business what are some of those challenges that you face that you've learned to overcome you know, some of the challenges are you just have to get your credibility early on and really let them know exactly that you deserve a seat at the table and why you're there. And But some of the challenges to overcome are you just have to prove extra hard, I feel, that you know exactly what you, you're doing, you have the knowledge. You know, and women are great. You know, we have our own special traits that make us stand out as far as following up and being caring and knowing, can kind of read people's mind. And so we have a lot of really good traits that, you know, are good to the industry. So instead of carrying a chip on your shoulder and, and feeling sorry for yourself that people don't take you seriously right out the gate, like maybe a male car- counterpart, it sounds like it's forced you to establish your credibility right from the get-go. You don't mess around. You don't have time to get in there and play it safe. You've got to show right up front that you have what it takes, that you have more to offer than they, they're, they're even giving you credit for. And you do that early on in the relationship. Right. And definitely coming prepared for any meetings. And thank goodness for the internet today. You can do as much research on any company. And if you're working with a public company, we you know work with a lot of national retailers. And it's great. You can go on their website and listen to their annual reports and know everything that the company's doing. So you're extra prepared and you belong there. What really oftentimes will surprise your competitors that you're as prepared as you are. So tell us a little bit about how you get that information. How do you research before a meeting and, and be the most prepared person in the room? Right, so I, I feel like I, I love to research and really do my homework. And it's always great, you know, to be prepared for your meeting, but really going online, going on LinkedIn, looking at their profiles ahead of time, going on the company's websites, talking to people if they know, you know, about the company, and really doing that homework up, you know, up front. So there is so much more to obviously real estate, and especially commercial real estate, than just that first meeting to find out what their needs are and what they want, what their budget is. There's some background 
information that you've got to have before you even try to work with that client. Right. And it always helps to go visit one of their existing locations if they're close by, because some of the retail tenants, some of the restaurants we deal with, they either want to be on the going home side, they want to be going to work side, you know, access, and you have to know a lot of that information. Demographics are really, really important in our industry. You know, I, I remember a conversation I had with a business owner. I was trying to win the bid for a cleaning job at a daycare. And I had done my homework. I knew a little bit about their business. I knew a little bit about the business owner. And instead of going in there and trying to sell all the features of my business and and trying to compete on price like everybody else does, and instead of going in there and listing, you know, we're insured and we're bonded and all of our people are trusted and screened and we bring supplies and, you know, the whole boring list that our, com- our competitors were going to be sharing, I decided to go a different route and really kind of explore what I felt were their pain points and their needs. And I think you raise that when you talk about understanding up front before that meeting, if they're a business that's more likely to uh, want to capture the customer on their way home from work, or are they a business that's wanting to capture the customer on their way out, maybe like coffee or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I thought about my own business and how I shared with her that the number one thing Uh, that's important to a daycare and a daycare owner is that the moms walk in and smell a clean environment and instantly feel like that the place is sanitary enough to leave their baby. And I didn't talk about all the stuff like we're insured and bonded and we bring our supplies and we're available Mm -hmm. Monday, Wednesday and Friday. I talked about how I relate to her needs. And she said, oh my goodness, Debbie, you get me. You get me and you get my business. And she said, you are quite frankly more expensive than your competition, but you're hired Mm -hmm. because you get me. And I thought that really is what customers want. They really want to make sure that you get them. Right. Especially there's so much competition and, and just like you did asking the right questions and what's keeping your client up at night. You know, you want to touch your customers every single day. And if not in business as entrepreneurs, somebody else is going to. So you really have to, you know, be in touch with what their pain points, you know, what's keeping up, keeping them up at night. Exactly. What keeps them up at night had better keep you up at night or they're going to select somebody else who has figured that out. So obviously you stand out, you walk into a room, you're a beautiful lady, but you have knowledge and years of experience behind you. You've done your research. What advice can you offer with that new business owner? What else can you offer in terms of advice for the the entrepreneur or the struggling business owner um, to get ahead and to win win those clients? To win client, I mean, to starting off in business or even where you are today, I think the number one thing you have to have is capital, you know, to be able to grow your business. The last thing you want to, you know, what I've learned myself is trying to do too much myself. And somebody once told me that if I'm making copies and I could be paying somebody $8 an hour to do that, that is my current value, $8. And I'm not using my time, you know, correctly. That is really good advice. So making sure you understand the value of your own time before you squander that away doing tasks that really could be shifted to somebody else who's happy to do those things. Right. And, so. and it's so, you know, on the internet, you can hire a virtual assistant and really knock out a lot of those that, you know, what you do best, probably meeting with customers and meeting with clients, you know, versus doing that internet and email, you know, and all that and really having good time management. I am so glad you mentioned that because I am the queen of outsourcing and I work with virtual assistants around the world and I'm, I'm usually working with five or six or eight at a time. I've got someone editing my videos and I have somebody else designing graphics or designing a, a business card. One of my favorite, favorite outsourcing websites that I use on a regular basis is called Fiverr.com and it's two R's. So it's F-I-V-E-R-R. Dot com And I'll jump on there and for $5, I'll hire a, a virtual assistant to design a business card or a postcard or a door hanger for my company. I've hired out voiceover talent. I mean, it's just, 
anything that could be done digitally that doesn't have to require your 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 physical presence can be outsourced online. So that's a great tip. Right. And I've mentioning that when I I also use elance.com and that's actually how I was able to write my first book. I outsourced it on Elance and hired the writing genie to help me finally launch my book. Instead of trying to figure out how to do it myself, she helped me set up all the chapters and helped me get it uploaded on Amazon. So definitely outsourcing is a great way to get things done. That is what a busy, successful entrepreneur does. They decide what areas are their weaknesses and they outsource people that can do a better job in a much more efficient amount of time. And then they stick to the jobs that they know they do best, like meeting with clients and and booking appointments and closing those big million dollar deals, which is what Pam Goodwin does. She is the author of Lemonade to million dollar deals. Did I say that wrong, Pam? (laughs) (laughs) One cent lemonade to million dollar deals. I knew I was (laughs) messing that up big time. She is the author of One Cent Lemonade to Million Dollar Deals. And it's such a pleasure to have you in the studio today and talk with us about business and and women in business and, and entrepreneurship. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much, Debbie, for having me. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, don't go away. Coming up next, we will continue this discussion about turning lemons into millions. You're listening to the Real News Communications Network. This is Debbie Sardone, your host of Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone. More of Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone is next on the Real News Communications Network. We're asking folks about marriage. Marriage makes me think of sports. You know, teamwork, dedication. Okay, let's see what people say. Let's say your marriage is a sport. What sport would it be? Basketball. Surfing. There have to be a team sport. A lot of back and forth. A lot of people watching. So how many people are influenced by your marriage? Hundreds. You really think about the ripple effect. It's like a wave. (laughs) (laughs) Want to improve your marriage? For ideas, go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. You're listening to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. We're talking today about cleaning up in business, and I'm your host, Debbie Sardone, with the Real News Communications Network. Be sure and follow us on iTunes so you never miss a single episode, and make sure you like us on Facebook and tell us what you think about today's show. I have a wonderful guest in the studio with me today, Pam Goodwin of Goodwin Commercial in Dallas, Texas. She's the author of two books. One is One Cent Lemonade to Million Dollar Deals. And that book's been endorsed by Barbara Corcoran, real estate mogul and Shark Tank celebrity investor. And, you know, I was thinking... Pam, just a a little while ago about my own industry and how the industry of maid service, I own Buckets and Bows Maid Service and we service Flower Mound, Highland Village area. And I thought, you know, it really is a female dominated industry. So I probably can't admit to any uh, extra tough times that I've experienced as a business owner offering a maid service because typically my customers are women. I mean, not all of them, but typically it's the woman who calls and inquires about pricing. Oftentimes it is the woman who sets up the in-home estimate. Generally, it's women who work for us who are actually doing the cleaning, although we have employed some amazing men and boy, do they clean good. But for the most part, my industry is actually female dominated. But It doesn't seem like that's the case in your industry. And I understand that more women will tend to go into the residential field of real estate and more men will compete on the commercial side. So what's it like being a female in such a male-dominated industry? It's great, but I want to say thank goodness in, you know, I was always a competitive athlete And in the eighth grade, I tried out for the boys' baseball team, and I made it with two of my girlfriends. And wow, I can still see that ball flying at 100 miles an hour. And 
so it's it's a very competitive male world and and that it's just such a great you know being a female you completely stand out I have a feeling you thrive on the competition right there. <laughs> right. E- even even in today's meeting, surprisingly, I'll go into a meeting and still be the only female. But thank goodness, a lot more female are, you know, finding out that commercial real estate is an excellent field for women. And primarily because you're on your own time. And it's great if you have a family. We have two boys. And so, you know, I'm able to take off time and pick them up and take them to school but commercial real estate, you know, surprisingly, it is all males because women, you know, are the ones who really shop and know the retailers. And but it's just a it's a great industry for women to be part of. And what a great way for you to stand out, because I am a firm believer that when you own your own business, you've got to find your niche or you have to find a way that you aren't unique. Otherwise, you blend in with everybody else's navy blue and black suits. And there you are with your your beautiful bright blue, you know, suit and your sparkly necklace. And I have a feeling you definitely stand out when you walk in a room and they're like, oh, who is this? Are you here to bring us coffee? (laughs) So what are some of the challenges that you have faced as a woman owning your own real estate, commercial real estate business? What are some of those challenges that you face that you've learned to overcome? You know, some of the challenges are you just have to get your credibility early on and really let them know exactly that you deserve a seat at the table and why you're there. And But some of the challenges to overcome are you just have to prove extra hard, I feel, that you know exactly what you, you're doing, you have the knowledge. You know, and women are great. You know, we have our own special traits that make us stand out as far as following up and being caring and knowing, can't kind of read people's mind and... So we have a lot of really good traits that, you know, are good to the industry. So instead of carrying a chip on your shoulder and and feeling sorry for yourself that people don't take you seriously right out the gate, like maybe a male counterpart, it sounds like it's forced you to establish your credibility right from the get-go. You don't mess around. You don't have time to get in there and play it safe. You've got to show right up front that you have what it takes that you have more to offer than they they're they're even giving you credit for and you do that early on in the relationship right and definitely coming prepared for any meetings and thank goodness for the internet today you can do as much research on any company and if you're working with a public company we you know work with a lot of national retailers and it's great you can go on their website and listen to their annual reports and know everything that the company's doing so you're extra prepared and you belong there. What really oftentimes will surprise your competitors that you're as prepared as you are. So tell us a little bit about how you get that information. How do you research before a meeting and, and be the most prepared person in the room? Right. So I, I feel like I, I love to research and really do my homework. And it's always great, you know, to be prepared for your meeting. But really going online, going on LinkedIn, looking at their profiles ahead of time, going on the company's websites, talking to people if they know, you know, about the company, and really doing that homework up, you know, up front. So there is so much more to obviously real estate, and especially commercial real estate, than just that first meeting to find out what their needs are and what they want, what their budget is. There's some background information that you've got to have before you even try to work with that client. Right. And it always helps to go visit one of their existing locations if they're close by, because some of the retail tenants, some of the restaurants we deal with, they either want to be on the going home side, they want to be going to work side, you know, access, and you have to know a lot of that information. Demographics are really, really important in our industry. You know, I, I remember a conversation I had with a business owner. I was trying to win the bid for a cleaning job at a daycare. And I had done my homework. I knew a little bit about their business. I knew a little bit about the business owner. And instead of going in there and trying to sell all the features of my business and and trying to compete on price like everybody else does, and instead of going in there and listing, you know, we're insured and we're bonded and all of our people are trusted and screened and we bring supplies and, you know, the whole boring list that our our competitors were going to be sharing, I decided to go a different route and really 
kind of explore what I felt were their pain points and their needs. And I think you raise that when you talk about understanding up front before that meeting, if they're a business that's more likely to uh, want to capture the customer on their way home from work? Or are they a business that's wanting to capture the customer on their way out, maybe like coffee, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I thought about my own business and how I shared with her that the number one thing uh, that's important to a daycare and a daycare owner is that the moms walk in and smell a clean environment and instantly feel like that the place is sanitary enough to leave their baby. And I didn't talk about all the stuff like we're insured and bonded and we bring our supplies and we're available Mm -hmm. Monday, Wednesday and Friday. I talked about how I relate to her needs. And she said, Oh my goodness, Debbie, you get me. You get me and you get my business. And she said, you are quite frankly more expensive than your competition, but you're hired Mm -hmm. because you get me. And I thought that really is what customers want. They really want to make sure that you get them. Right, especially there's so much competition and and just like you did, asking the right questions and what's keeping your client up at night. You know, you, you want to touch your customers every single day and if, if not in business as entrepreneurs, somebody else is going to. So you really have to, you know, be in touch with what their pain points, you know, what's keeping up, keeping them up at night Exactly. What keeps them up at night had better keep you up at night or they're going to select somebody else who has figured that out. So obviously you stand out, you walk into a room, you're a beautiful lady, but you have knowledge and years of experience behind you. You've done your research. What advice can you offer with that new business owner? What else can you offer in terms of advice for the, the entrepreneur or the struggling business owner? Um, to get ahead and to win, win those clients. To win client, I mean, to starting off in business or even where you are today, I think the number one thing you have to have is capital, you know, to be able to grow your business. The last thing you want to, you know, what I've learned myself is trying to do too much myself. And somebody once told me that if I'm making copies and I could be paying somebody $8 an hour to do that, that is my current value, $8. And I'm not using my time, you know, correctly. That is really good advice. So making sure you understand the value of your own time before you squander that away doing tasks that really could be shifted to somebody else who's happy to do those things. Right. And and it's, so you know, on the internet, you can hire a virtual assistant and really knock out a lot of those that you know what you do best probably meeting with customers and meeting with clients you know versus doing that internet and email you know and all that and really having good time management I am so glad you mentioned that because I am the queen of outsourcing and I work with virtual assistants around the world and I'm, I'm usually working with five or six or eight at a time. I've got someone editing my videos and I have somebody else designing graphics or designing a, a business card. One of my favorite, favorite outsourcing websites that I use on a regular basis is called Fiverr. Dot com and it's two R's so it's f i v e r r dot com and I'll jump on there and for five dollars I'll hire a, a virtual assistant to design a business card or a postcard or a door hanger for my company. I've hired out voiceover talent. I mean, it's just anything that could be done digitally that doesn't have to require your 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 physical presence can be outsourced online. So that's a great tip. Right. And I've mentioning that when I I also use elance.com. And that's actually how I was able to write my first book. I outsourced it on elance and hired the writing genie to help me finally launch my book instead of trying to figure out how to do it myself. She helped me set up all the chapters and helped me get it uploaded on Amazon. So definitely outsourcing is a great way to get things done. That is what a busy, successful entrepreneur does. They decide what areas are their weaknesses and they outsource people that can do a better job in a much more efficient amount of time. And then they stick to the jobs that they know they do best, like meeting with clients and and booking appointments and closing those big million dollar deals, which is what 
Pam Goodwin does. She is the author of Lemonade to Million Dollar Deals. Did I say that wrong, Pam? Mm, (laughs) One cent lemonade to million dollar deals. I knew I was messing that up big time. She is the author of One Cent Lemonade to Million Dollar Deals. And it's such a pleasure to have you in the studio today and talk with us about business and and women in business and, and entrepreneurship. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much, Debbie, for having me. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, don't go away. Coming up next, we will continue this discussion about turning lemons into millions. You're listening to the Real News Communications Network. This is Debbie Sardone, your host of Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone. More of Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone is next on the Real News Communications Network. Be part of the movement that is standing up to cancer and get the new Stand Up to Cancer app for iPhone. Visit the App Store or download by texting STAND to 31826 and tell the world who you stand up for. Message and data rates may apply. Who says green can't be clean? Here's a tip that many professional home cleaning services already know. You can power through the grime in less time with our 100% naturally safe speed cleaning products. Don't waste your time with the products that don't work. Our non-toxic cleaners are safer on pets and people, yet tough on dirt. If you want to clean your home in half the time, visit speedcleaning.com and sign up for our speed cleaning tip of the week. You're listening to RNCN, the number one source for premium talk radio. You're listening to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. And we are back. This is Debbie Sardone, your host, with Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. We are talking all things cleaning up in business and in life. Be sure to tell us what you think on our Facebook page, Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone, and you can listen to past episodes on iTunes. And be sure to click on the review tab in the iTunes app and be a friend and rate our episode. Now back to turning lemons into millions. Every successful entrepreneur will have some lemons along the way. Success today is no guarantee of success tomorrow. In fact, the more successful you are, the greater the risk. Success can be its own worst enemy. In fact, success can breed a number of negative things that can sabotage your business. Success can actually breed complacency. Once you've grown your business, you feel like you've arrived, maybe you have reached the goals that you had always hoped you would have reached, complacency can very easily set in. And as business owners, it's even hard to imagine this, but literally we can get kind of lazy. We can get unmotivated, especially if we're not challenged anymore. And I remember as a new entrepreneur, you know, you lay awake at night and you're thinking of all these ideas and policies you want to implement and uh, marketing campaigns you want to create. And you're just filled with excitement and enthusiasm and new ideas. But then once you reach a certain level of success and complacency sets in and you start to get a little bit lazy and a little bit unmotivated, all of a sudden you're not creating new marketing plans. You're not writing new employment policies or new policies for your business. Your documents get kind of old and stale and outdated. Your marketing can begin to look tired and boring when it once seemed kind of fresh and new and exciting. So complacency is definitely an enemy to success and it creeps up. It's not like you wake up one day and say, I think I'll be complacent from now on. It's not how it works. You just all of a sudden wake up five years, 10 years into a successful business and you've been complacent for many, many years. And sometimes it could even be too late because your competition who was the one now laying awake, thinking about ways to dominate the marketplace, your competition who is laying awake in bed at night, thinking about how to beat the competitor, their number one competitor, which might be you, is now the one coming up with fresh ideas 
and exciting concepts and new and brilliant policies. So complacency is definitely an enemy of success and success can breed complacency. And then of course, boredom. It's kind of hard to imagine. In fact, most of us feel like, gee, I'd love to have a little bit of boredom. I'm so busy. But as an an entrepreneur, if you're not challenged, you can become bored with your business. And once you're bored, there will be a lack of focus. You won't uh, pursue new directions for your company. Once you're bored, you will begin to neglect. You won't be as proactive to address new challenges or new problems in your business. Boredom can actually be a serious problem for successful entrepreneurs. I knew at a certain point in my business, probably about six years ago, that I was getting bored. There weren't really that many challenges in my maid service. And boredom is not a good thing for me. (laughs) I'm one of those people that wants to stay active and I really do thrive on a challenge. I love competition and I love challenges. I love solving problems. And I think most entrepreneurs do. And I think boredom could have been a serious problem, but I decided to take on some more challenges. So oftentimes boredom is an opportunity to get out of your own way and go and launch a new idea, which kind of invigorates your your uh, excitement for your business, especially if you're innovating something that no one else has done. And so don't allow boredom to sabotage your existing success. Allow boredom to be kind of that alarm clock that says, okay, it's time to try something new. It's, try, it's time to innovate. It's time to launch a new idea or a new product or even a new business, depending on what your skill set is and how uh, stable your existing business is. So success can also breed arrogance. And this is a real problem because there are a lot of people that started out very humbly in business. They started with nothing. I mean, not my own example is I started my business, my cleaning business, Buckets and Bows Maid Service, out of the trunk of my car. And I don't ever want to forget my roots. I was the one scrubbing the toilets. I was the one mopping the floors, vacuuming the carpets, going back for a reclean if a customer wasn't happy with the work. You talk about humiliating. You talk about humbling. When you start out as a technician in your own business, it's a very humbling experience. And as business owners, success can breed arrogance and all that humility can evaporate over time. If you find yourself being short with people, uh, overly critical, um, demanding, instead of gracious, if you find that you really struggle with just rolling up your sleeves and getting your hands dirty, whatever they may, that may look like, um, if you feel you've become way above these roles, arrogance is beginning to set in. And once arrogance sets in as a successful business owner, it really is the beginning of your reputation being diminished because what people think of the owner is how they will think of your business. And the best thing you can do is remember your roots. Don't ever forget how you started. Don't ever forget that somebody else can step in and replace you in a heartbeat. None of us are irreplaceable. None of our businesses are completely um, shatterproof. Anybody can swoop in and come in with a better idea, a cheaper way to do it, a more sophisticated, technologically savvy approach to the business that we have. And our arrogance can evaporate pretty quickly. We've got to remember, we're not necessarily always the smartest person in the room. And the people that are in the trenches, getting their hands dirty, rolling up their sleeves for your company, those are the VIPs. And we have to remember, we're not the VIP. That's one of the things that I've worked very hard in my own business is to build a culture that all of the administrative staff embraces. And they do. They embrace it really well. And that is to make sure that everyone understands that the VIPs in our company are the cleaning staff, not the person who sits behind the desk, 
not the office manager who writes the payroll checks or does the hiring and the firing, not the owner who drives a nice car and comes in, you know, whenever she wants. Those, those aren't the VIPs. It just might feel like you're a VIP. The real VIPs in most of our companies are the men and women who roll up their sleeves, get their hands dirty and work day in and day out. Never forget that success can breed arrogance. And that's when you can start going backwards. And then just being stingy, you know, when you're successful, you can become a little bit stingy. And and um, some of the largest companies can be a bit stingy because they are successful and they feel like they can say no to just about everybody and they've allowed their overhead to become big and out of control and all of a sudden they become stingy when they used to be generous. Generous with their time, generous with their compliments, generous with their praise. And then once you become successful, you become a little stingy and you're not as complimentary to others. You're not uh, giving praise to those people that have actually built your organization. Um, I've seen some of the largest companies be the most stingy with the benevolence program that we have, Cleaning for a Reason. Oddly enough, it's some of the smallest companies that are most generous in donating the free cleanings. It's, it's ironic, actually. So sometimes the more successful a company gets, that company be, can literally become more stingy. So don't let success start to breed all these negative things and take you backwards. And even when you're successful in business, you can still have lemons that crop up in your business. So if you're arrogant, if you're stingy, Uh, If you're complacent, you won't even notice it. Um, You've got to be careful because it doesn't matter what stage or uh, how seasoned you are as a business owner or how successful you are. These things can crop up. And when you turn lemons into millions, sometimes those lemons turn out to have more purpose and not necessarily a profitability tied to it. So think about how those lemons in business can actually reinvigorate purpose and how maybe you've been successful and you got a little complacent or you got a little bored or maybe you got arrogant and then some lemons were dropped on your lap and you had to roll your sleeves up, get reinvigorated, re-motivated, start those ideas flowing and those juices flowing and then you take those lemons and you turn them into something really valuable, whether it's a lesson you learned or new purpose in your business. I know one example of Barbara Corcoran, the, the real estate mogul, had to turn the lemon of a, of a shattered relationship and she took that lemon and she turned that into the fuel that motivated her success. And so sometimes those lemons don't necessarily turn into profits. As a business owner, sometimes those lemons turn into purpose and they fuel our energy and they reinvigorate us and they get us out of our boredom and they get us moving again and get us thinking about innovation and creative ideas and and uh, growing our business once again. So don't look at obstacles and turn those into an excuse. Don't think that a lemon can't be turned into lemonade. Sometimes the way up is by hitting rock bottom. Sometimes life's lemons clear the way to a, a, a path for greater success. And an essential part of success is not being afraid to fail, not getting stuck in a rut. Sometimes those lemons are really, really bitter and tough to swallow. But remember, when life or business gives you lemons, you can always make lemonade. You've been listening to Debbie Sardone, the host of Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. Please make sure you follow us on iTunes so you never miss an episode and tell us what you think on our Facebook page. Until next time, keep cleaning up in life and business. For more information on cleaning up, visit us on Facebook and Twitter or at DebbieSardone.com.